0: Acts chapter four, <clears throat> and I know everybody said, "Whoa!" Uh, yeah, so, um, and <clears throat> so, uh, it was not intentional, and this was actually a few days ago. Uh, I, I thought I was going to have an opportunity to uh, preach uh, in a different setting, and. And so I said, hey, Lord, what do do we need? And and he gave me this thought. And then I just couldn't get away from it. And I wanted to get away from it because of the location in the Bible. And knowing the verses we're going to look at tonight, Pastor hasn't got to yet in this chapter. And so um, I encourage you to stay faithful. It might be a few weeks before he gets this far down in the chapter. Uh, But when he does, he'll clear up anything that uh, I mess up. Uh, no, um, listen, we are blessed to have the pastor that we do Amen. And, and his study and, and, and the effort that he puts into that. And so uh, don't take it for granted. Thank God for it and pray for him. Amen. But Acts chapter four, and if you would uh, <clears throat> stand with me in honor of reading the word of God. Uh, Acts chapter four, we're going to begin reading in verse thirty one. And read down through the end of the chapter. It says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul, neither said any of them, uh, that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity, and I pray, Lord, that you would just, Lord, do a work that only you can do. And I pray, Father, that you just encourage and strengthen our church. I pray, Lord, that you'd bind us together in one mind and in unity, that we might go forth share the gospel in our community and father we need you tonight we pray that you'd meet with us we ask it in jesus name amen thank you You may be seated tonight i want to share a thought be a barnabas many of you have probably heard this before but uh, the lord put it on my heart and i think it's because the church needs it um there are plenty of critics (laughs) we don't need more we need more encouragers, Amen. more exhorters, more people that would be willing to uh, be uh, a blessing to others. Uh, a critical spirit comes easy. Uh, it's uh, it, really, and if we're not careful, if we're not walking in the spirit, our carnal nature is quick to criticize and degrade others. It makes us feel superior, lifted up in pride. I could do that better. I could do this better. I can, you know, I can't believe they did that. And, and it, it really is, uh, it does no good. And the reality is there's no place for it in the church. Amen. Uh, it ought not be so. Your attitude and response in this area affects the church. Amen. Listen, if you have a critical spirit and you're uh, frustrated with everything that happens, uh, that's a problem. Yeah. And it's affecting the body. Uh, we need to be careful. There are, are several warnings in Scripture in, regarding this topic and, uh, and the attitude of uh, having a carnal response, I might say, or just a critical attitude, and, and so here's a few that I'll give to you, the one that's probably the most notable, and we know the Lord hates, uh, in Proverbs 6:19 a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren, 1 Corinthians 1:10 says this, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 and 32, or 29 through 32, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, all wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you." Colossians 3, verses 12 through 14. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If they may not have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. There's many warnings in the Word of God that we ought to treat each other with kindness, be tender-hearted, be forgiving. Uh, That's not natural. Uh, It takes a Holy Spirit uh, indwelling. And in in Christ, we all have that ability. But the reality is, I'm afraid that many of us oftentimes err to the side of being critical. Uh, It's natural. And listen, sometimes the reality... Let me stay focused here you'll find that as a rule, those who complain about the way the ball bounces are usually the ones who dropped it. Synonym quote. Don't know who to attribute that to. And here's another one. A man came to Moody once and criticized him for the way that he went about winning souls. Moody listened courteously and then asked, how would you do it? The man, taken aback, mumbled that he didn't do it. Well, Moody said this, I prefer the way I do it to the way you don't do it. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Listen, oftentimes the most critical people are the people that aren't doing anything. <clears throat> Listen, we're to be of one mind. Yes. We're to be united. Amen. Yeah. Uh, and when we're not, it affects the church and our ability to accomplish the mission that God's given us to reach our community, to reach lost souls for Him we ought to be ministering grace to one another. Not backbiting, not being busybodies. Listen, is that not what the, te- the Scriptures teaches us as a fundamental purpose of our gathering? To encourage and, and to exhort each other? Hebrews ten twenty three through 25, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. That's one of the main functions of us assembling together is to encourage and to strengthen each other. And if we're not doing that, it's not Christ-like, it's not honoring to Him, and it's going to prevent the work of the ministry in our church. We need to be united in our effort to hold fast. We need to be united in our effort to reach the lost. But if we're fighting and we're warring amongst ourselves in here, how can we reach anyone out there? It will hinder us. We ought to be encouraging one another. The road gets rough. The battle gets hard. The struggles are real we must band together to continue steadfastly. And we cannot effectively do that if we're criticizing and we're being critical of each other. We just can't. William Arthur Ward said this, Flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. Encourage me and I will not forget you. Listen, sometimes we just need a word of encouragement. Because it does get hard. It does get challenging. Uh, And we all have our own race to run. Uh, And God has fitted us together in this body that we might encourage and strengthen each other. Uh, And all of us are needful and all of us contribute to this body. In Corinthians, it says, can the head say that they don't need the feet? No, that's ridiculous. And so from the youngest one in here to the, to the oldest one in here, I won't mention any names. We all have a part in this body. And, uh, you know, we did some work over there, and I think I hit my thumb one, only one time with a hammer. But I did not do it intentionally. Intentionally. It's foolish for someone to hit their own thumb with a hammer. It's foolish for us to criticize and to sow discord and to backbite among ourselves in the church. It undermines the work of God. And so tonight, I, I want to encourage you to be a Barnabas, determine that you are going to be a blessing. The reality is we all need to determine this to be obedient to Scripture. Uh, if you want to be obedient, well, you need to determine and strive to exhort one another. Uh, listen, we don't want to give the devil a foothold in our assembly by causing division among us. He's got plenty of attacks on his own. We don't need to contribute. And so tonight, I want in verse 36 in, in uh, Acts chapter 4, It says this, and Joseph, and if I said that name, most of you probably would have no idea who it is because we don't know him as Joseph. We know him as Barnabas. It says, and Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation. And so tonight, I want you to be consistent or be steadfast in your effort to encourage one another. Let me let me kind of explain that. There's examples in the New Testament of giving surnames. Uh, today we might call them nicknames. Um, and I know in our church we got to deal with all the mics, right? If you say I was talking to Mike, and the first question is Mike who, yeah. you know? And I just tell them it was Mangy Mike. But um, <clears throat> so, but Mark in chapter three and sixteen, Simon gets the surname Peter. Uh, Labaius who was surnamed Thaddeus, and then of course uh, some of the more we know John Mark. Uh, and then the sons of Zebedee, John and, and his brother James, were surnamed Bonerges, uh, which is being interpreted as the sons of thunder. And, and so often the surnames were given to distinguish between those with the same name, obviously, right? You kind of distinguish it, right? So that's Ugly Mike, this is Handsome Mike, uh, that kind of stuff, right? Um, you pick which one's mangy and which one's ugly and which one's handsome. Um, their surname may have to do with their, last, their family affiliation, right? First and last names is very common in our, our culture today, but uh, maybe it had to do with an occupation, uh, John the Smith or Mike the Smith, as if they were a blacksmith or something like that. And, um, but I think it's different for Barnabas here. And we know that uh, because he was surnamed by the apostles. And I believe it's because he had a pattern in his life to be an encouragement and an exhorter of the brethren. And he, he, he did this so consistently or so frequently that they said, man, we need to distinguish this Joseph guy from all the other Josephs, all the other Josephs, uh, and we can do that because he's been such a great encouragement. Let's call him Barnabas, the son of consolation. And uh, that name there... If you really take it back to the root, it it could mean the son of prophecy. And so I believe we can get, it's easy to understand that uh, Barnabas was very gifted in in how he was able to to encourage people with words and things. Uh, His ability to uh, just really strengthen the brethren and exhort them and to console them. And and so consequently, the apostles named Barnabas uh, because he had demonstrated the ability to do that. And, um, <clears throat> Albert Barnes said this of, of, uh, why they, and in, 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 I'm not focusing so much on this passage, partly because I know pastor's going to do a great job in it, but, um, uh, you know, they're all of one mind and, and they're doing all these things. And Barnabas wasn't the only one selling things and giving it to the apostles and, and to the church, but he was noted here. Uh, and again, I think it's because of his pattern, and, and he was notable. But Albert Barnes says this: the reason why this individual was selected and specified particularly, where, uh, were doubtless because he was a foreigner, and of course we know that he was from Cyprus. We're, we won't touch really on that. Uh, but it was, rem- but because it was a remarkable instance of liberality, and because he sub- subsequently distinguished himself in the work of the ministry, he gave himself his property, his all to the service of the Lord Jesus and went forth to the self-denying labors of the gospel. And so this man was especially known for all that he did to encourage those around him. Whether that was financially, uh, in word. I don't think they would have chose to name him this based on one singularly act. That doesn't make sense. Now, sometimes in the military, if you do something stupid, you get a nickname. You'll, I only did it once. What? But it, sometimes it sticks. But in, in this, in Scripture, it's a little bit different. I think he had demonstrated a pattern of being a blessing. A pattern of encouraging. So much so that he was selling his, his possessions. Uh, to meet the needs of other people. Regrettably, we might need to distinguish between ourselves as Debbie Downers and pessimistic Pauls and angry Indies. If the church was going to give you a surname, what would it be? Yep, that's Bob, always late. Or, Or what may, you know, you pick something. What characteristic would identify you? What do you bring to the body? How do you contribute to our congregation? And do you do it consistently? And is it good? Right? Maybe some of us would be embarrassed of the surname we would, we would rightly deserve to get. But we're too gracious and too kind that we don't do that. Not at least publicly. But maybe in our homes, God forbid, in front of our children, we begin tearing down the other church members that we're supposed to love and to care for and to pray for and to serve and to labor with. And we wonder why our kids are frustrated in church. You don't know, understand? Because all they do is hear us criticizing people. What kind of surname would you get? And rightly deserve. We need more encouragement than we like to admit. You know, uh, I won't say that. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes we we just say, I just... Pull my pants up and I can take it. But the reality is we we get down. The battle does get hard. Discouragement does come. There's great men of God that we have examples of in Scripture that went out and pouted. Lord, take my life. And so the reality is it can be a struggle. And so if we can't encourage each other here, where are we going to get it? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. We can make friendships in the world and get along and hang out with those folks, but it's not going to be edifying and, and uplifting to the Lord. Right. And we may fill that void. And, and the reality is, if we're not doing a good job encouraging and strengthening our, our brethren here, some people are going to go look and find it somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Those people at the church, they're jerks. Yeah. I don't want to be there. All they do is criticize me. Lord, help us. I find it interesting that we even have to discuss, and listen, I'm guilty of this kind of stuff too. And and I'm just bearing my heart with you and what I believe God has laid on my heart for our church. It's shocking that we have to discuss this in church. Don't be critical of people. Uh, Barnabas demonstrated himself, and we'll look at some verses in chapter 11, and, and I, I looked at all the verses where Barnabas is referenced. I believe it's Acts chapter 9 is the only place where there's anything remotely negative, and it, it's talking about when Peter and, and they were dissembling and, uh, over uh, those that were, were Jews or the circumcision, and, and Paul came in and addressed Peter, uh, but it says that Barnabas had been taken out with them in and, and that, but there's not really anything negative about Barnabas. When you read about Barnabas in our Bible, it's, he's always being an encouragement and a blessing to people. And so they gave him a name. Son of consolation. The man that is about encouraging other people. Consoling and comforting and, and encouraging them. And so I believe it was a pattern of consistency. Do you have a pattern of consistent encouragement in our church? Or do you come in negative? Can't believe they did that again. Be consistent in your effort to encourage people. Uh, Number two this evening, be intentional. Look at 36 through 37. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Are you intentional in your efforts to encourage and to exhort others? You don't accidentally sell your possessions and give the profit away. At least I haven't. Whenever I've sold something, it was very intentional, and the goal was so I could get more money to buy something for myself. That's not the pattern that we see here in Barnabas' life. He said, You know what? I have this possession. I don't know how they brokered real estate in the New Testament, but I know today, even if you do for sale by owner, it's a difficult process. But most people, though, get a realtor, and there will be a, potentially two realtors involved, and they take half your money, but um, it doesn't happen accidentally is what I'm saying. You've got to advertise. You've got to find a buyer. Uh, you've got to, to broker a deal. And he does this, and uh, there's some thought and there's some effort given to the matter. He didn't just show up and give the dollar he had in his wallet because that's what he had on him. No, throughout the week, he was, how can I be an encouragement and a blessing? You know what? I can sell this. And he went through that process, and he came, and he brought it at the apostles' feet. It was very intentional. He also denied himself the monetary benefits that would come with the sale of the property. There was some self-sacrifice here. It's not always easy to be an encouragement and a help. It takes sacrifice. Time, money, energy. But Barnabas was willing to intentionally to make the sacrifice because he thought the needs of the others was more important than himself. Listen tonight, it's not all about you. It's not about you and what you can get from the church and the church being an encouragement and a blessing to you. This is a mutual community. And if everybody's doing their part and being intentional about how can I be a blessing, God will speak to hearts and He will meet needs that we didn't even know we had. But we're not intentional. We're lackadaisical. We're lazy. And we don't put a lot of energy and effort into being a blessing to others. And consequently, we get frustrated and we get angry and we start criticizing and backbiting and sowing discord. I don't want to get ahead of my notes, but really it comes down to are you walking with God? What pastor said to this morning. And we'll see that in Acts chapter eleven here in a few moments. Listen, it's not all about you. How can you be a blessing to others? We all ought to make the effort to be a blessing when we're able. We know that we ought to, but do we take the time to put in the effort to do so? We need not be lazy in this area. And tonight, I'm not telling you you need to go sell everything you have to be an encouragement to others. You don't have to sell your possessions to be an encouragement. Sometimes it's just a fitly word spoken. Just an encouraging word. Be intentional and look for ways to meet the needs or to be a blessing to others. Listen, don't come into church and slump over in the pew and wait for others to encourage you. Be intentional in your effort. Make the effort to be a blessing yourself. In the principle of it's more blessed to give than to receive, we'll, you'll begin to realize that as well. Uh, but when you're so self-centered and so focused on yourself, it's, it's hard to be a blessing. Uh, so it does take energy. It does take time. It does take effort. You need to be intentional in the matter. Listen, it's going to require you to talk to other people. Amen. That always isn't, had been my strong point. I'm not a social butterfly. I don't get around. But listen, the Lord's in my heart. I try to do better in that area. And what I have found, <clears throat> as I've got to know more of you and, and, and the people of our church over the time we've been here, uh, and, I've, and as I've been more intentional about that, i found there's needs. There's struggles. There's challenges. And I can't solve them. But you know what? I can encourage them. Yeah. Just with a word. Yeah. Or be a blessing. Help pick up the slack, a, a, a physical burden that they might have just to accomplish a task. Hey, I'll help you here. I'll help you there. Uh, and it's been a great blessing to be able to do that. So be intentional but it will require effort. If we are looking for ways to encourage and exhort others, we'll be encouraged and exhorted ourselves. Listen, if we were all doing this, we would all be encouraged, we would all be strengthened, we would all be exhorted. So if there's somebody in here tonight that doesn't feel that way, perhaps it's because we're not doing how we ought to. And what I would say is a lot of that falls on you as an individual. Don't just come in here just waiting for somebody to, how was your day? Don't sit around and complain about others who are not encouraging you. Get up and do it yourself. To do that is just hypocrisy. Is waiting for somebody to come to you when you're not making any effort to help others. It's hypocrisy. And then people get critical about that. Nobody's, nobody's encouraging me. It's funny. And lastly tonight, be genuine or be sincere. Turn to Acts chapter 11 if you would. <clears throat> Verse 22 and down through 24, it says, Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Look at verse 24. For he was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And look what happened. And much people was added unto the Lord. Listen, this goes back to us walking with God. God. Barnabas was able to be an effective encourager and help because he was full of the Holy Ghost because he had faith. Listen, sometimes it takes faith to be an encouragement. When the when the when the Holy Spirit pricks your heart and says, "Hey, go go be a blessing in whatever that area is. Share an encouraging word, maybe pay a bill for somebody, whatever that is, it takes faith to do that, to be obedient to the Holy Spirit." But this man was full of faith, he was full of the Holy Ghost. And so when you have the Holy Ghost leading you and you have the faith to respond in obedience, God can add to the church. He had shown a pattern of sincere, genuine love for the brethren. He was dedicated, he had dedicated his life to the ministry. So much so that he was the one selected to carry a message. So when there's a task to be done, you know, that Barnabas guy, he's the perfect guy for this. And what did he do? He went to encourage and to strengthen people. And God used that to add people to the Lord. Perhaps our church could grow and we could see people saved if we would get serious about being encouragement to others. Robert Maddox Jr. says this. Uh, of Barnabas, he divested himself of all worldly entanglements so that he, or so that he could so completely f- be free to move about as the Spirit directed him. He was not concerned and entangled with the things of this world. The man sold his property. He's committed to laboring and ministering to the people of God. Don't fake it, God knows. All of you know Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira. They see the, the man Barnabas and he gives and, and boy, they want some of that credibility. They want, man. And what do they do? They lie to the Holy Ghost and God takes their life. Listen, we need to be genuine in our efforts. a false sincerity attempting to take the credit for something that really was a lie, Ananias and Sapphira. The reality is that if we would walk in the Spirit and be led of the Spirit, our efforts to be a blessing to others would flow from the love of Christ in and through us. First John three seventeen. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shut up of his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. We need to do it sincerely and out of a genuine heart. And, because, listen, you have to walk with God to do this. Because if you're not walking with God, you're going to be selfish. You're going to keep your land. You're going to keep your possessions. You're not going to want to be a blessing. Ask God to show you how to be a blessing. Then be obedient. Then be obedient. Mammy Adams, she always went to the same post office in her town because the post office employees were friendly. She she went there uh, to buy stamps just before Christmas one year and the lines were particularly long that day. And someone pointed out that there was a Uh, No need for her to stand in line and wait because there was a stamp machine in the lobby. And this was her reply. She said, I know, but the machine won't ask me about my arthritis. Listen, today, especially when everything is automated, people are looking for a personal and sincere touch of kindness. Share the love of Christ with others. Have you experienced the love of Christ? Share it. We need to show genuine care for others and look for ways to be a blessing. Listen, there are plenty of critics. Those that are ready to share their opinions and uh, you, don't need, <laughs> you don't need to be one of them. Determine that you will be a Barnabas. Determine that you will exhort the saints to cleave unto the Lord. That's what he exhorted them to cleave unto the Lord. He exhorted them to turn to God and, and, to, and to trust God and to cleave to Him. You can be a significant encouragement, and it really will cost you nothing. Yeah, we looked at the example in Acts chapter 4 of Him selling His possession and His land and being a great blessing monetarily. But as I mentioned earlier, Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Sometimes it's just as inexpensive as an encouraging word to be a blessing to somebody. But I do get it. Sometimes we are the ones that need the encouragement. And sometimes we may not feel like being encouragement. I've been there. Sometimes that's the most important time to make the effort to be encouragement. As I mentioned earlier, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Sometimes God may just want you to step out to be a help to someone else. And that will be the help that you needed. Because again, you're being obedient. And so as the Holy Spirit leads and He guides you to, to, to be a blessing and help. And listen, God has to be doing that. He says he will. So are we just being disobedient and not taking the effort and the time to encourage and to strengthen our brother? Listen, these are the people that we call friends. Family. Do you take the time? God allows us to go through difficult circumstances. And sometimes you do need someone to encourage you. You don't need to be the encourager all the time, but really only when you're able and when the Holy Spirit prompts you. Don't forsake an opportunity to be a blessing. I'm going to close with an illustration. Charles Spurgeon and Joseph Parker both had churches in London in in the early 19th century. On one occasion, Parker commented on the poor condition of the children admitted to Spurgeon's orphanage. It was reported to Spurgeon... However, that Parker had criticized the orphanage itself. Spurgeon blasted Parker the next week from the pulpit. The attack was printed in the newspaper and became the talk of the town. People flocked to the Parker's church the next Sunday to hear his rebuttal. That's our nature. Right? That's our nature. Oh, what's this guy's got? Here's what Parker said. I understand Dr. Purgeon is not in the pulpit today. And this is the Sunday that they used to take up an offering for the orphanage. I suggest we take a love offering here instead. The crowd was delighted. And the story goes on to say that the ushers had to empty the collection plate three times to be refilled. Later that week, there was a knock at Parker's study. It was Spurgeon. This is what he said. You know, Parker? You have practiced grace on me. You have given me not what I deserved. You have given me what I needed. Grace. 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing, knowing that ye are there into a call that ye should inherit a blessing. Listen tonight, when we're criticized and we often want to respond, I want to encourage you tonight, determine to be a Barnabas and that you want to be a blessing to those around you, especially of them that are of the household of faith. Let's pray. Father, tonight we do thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for this passage, Lord, and and this thought that you've laid on, on my heart, and I just trust that I was obedient. And Father, I pray that you do work in our hearts, Lord, that we would truly be a people of one mind and united, Lord, to go forth. Lord, it just hurts my heart to know that if we have a critical spirit and we're judgmental of those that we're supposed to be laboring with, that it will prevent the work of the ministry. And I pray, God, that you would help us to be an encouragement and a strength to others. Lord, and we saw the example that folks were saved because of that. And I pray, Lord, that you would just help us to set ourselves aside that we might honor and serve you. And Lord, that you would take our church and do great and mighty things through it. And we'll give you the glory for all of it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.